Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Um, do you know what I've been feeling recently? What, what have you been feeling, Zach? I feel like people are always trying to put us down. Put down? Just because we get around. <laughs> You you seem to be insinuating that we're going to be talking about my generation here, Zach. And, we will uh, be talking about my generation. Actually, <laughs> we'll be talking about your generation. Is the is the fun thing, Adam? Uh, that's true. That's true. I mean, by the Wikipedia definition, I am the final year of Generation X, and I wear that proudly. Uh, I get a little bit offended when people call me a millennial, which. The definition, I mean, who cares, right? Generational but, uh, cohorts are very good for broad assumptions uh, and broad-based data. And, yes, and market and <laughs> shorthand marketing and very bad for literally everything else. Yeah, but we are going to talk about a, a bunch of stories here that have the word generation in them uh, in some way, shape, or fashion. Sometimes multiple times. Yeah, in fact, we are, we are talking... We're going to talk about Generation X, folks. I'm so, I, if, if if that was if that was hidden <laughs> and you hadn't gotten there yet, this this may be like a a 200 level X Men podcast then, because uh, we're not going to introduce Generation X because neither none of these books actually do. They just run with it. Uh, but we are going to talk about a lot of different generations, uh, and that's thanks to Patreon supporter Matt Smith. Uh, Matt went over to Patreon.com/slash ComicsXF. Dug deep into his heart and pocketbook and, you know, tossed a couple of coins in our coffers. Uh, that way we could talk about Generation X slash Gen 13. Well, hold on a sec. Which one are we going to do first? Because if we got to do this chronologically, the first one is Gen 13 slash Generation X. Oh, Which... yeah. I, I forgot. It's impossible. These are, these are bad. Uh, and by bad, <laughs> I mean impossible to... Uh, properly sort. The first one is actually titled Gen 13 Generation X. I believe on this one, Image Comics gets top billing uh, and Marvel yes. Comics gets gets the second billing. Uh, it's got a beautiful Art Adams cover mm-hmm. uh, written by Brandon Choi. Uh, Adams does the interiors. It's weird. Now, now you're holding a physical copy adam my friend adam yes are you is your physical copy is your physical copy uh only limited to two dimensions yes i do not have the 3d version but they did make a 3d version of this uh this came out around the same time as wildcats x-men um i guess they were totally totally down with uh what am I? What's the word I'm looking for company crossovers Uh, yeah company crossovers thank you i mean it's 1997 that's Heroes were born. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So they pu- they republished maybe all four of the Wildcats X-Men in the 3D format. And they also republished this. 
Um, which I, I can't imagine looking good because this has very muddled colors. Uh, the color is quite dark on some pages. So I own I own the 3D version because oh nice why wouldn't you? <laughs> it does come with 3D glasses that mine are still mint in the uh, book. Uh, nice. Because I said, oh, I've got 3D glasses right here. So I grabbed the copy of 3D glasses that came with my Xbox 360 version of Batman Arkham Knight. Not Arkham hmm. Knight, uh, Arkham City. And it turns out, what I found is that the uh, the colors in the 3D glasses were different for the Batman video game than they were for oh. this comic book. So I read two pages, got the worst headache of my life, and said, I'm not reading this comic book anymore. <laughs> I think it may have been partially my fault. I think partially <laughs> Rocksteady Video Games' fault. Um, but mostly I do want to blame uh, Art Adams for this one. Uh, and, and I didn't read this comic for years afterwards because I had such a bad visceral reaction to it. I, I can totally understand that. I mean, if you're... I'm... I'm I have a certain amount of nostalgia for 80s, um, like, 3D comics, like the Blackthorn series uh, that did, like, Transformers or G.I. Joe. But all those are printed in just red and blue line work. Um, so when you look at them, they look like three-dimensional black and white comics. It's not, like, headache-inducing at all. It's really just kind of engaging you with the space. The second you start getting to to full color 3d red and blue separation ah, i don't know there's something about it that just like bugs wigs my eyes out so i don't think i would recommend that as the reading choice uh, for this issue because you're right Art adams is um and, and garner on inks it's very very tiny line work and uh the coloring is is not super helpful in discerning things here digital coloring baby they it took him a few years. <laughs> now, Zach, the, our our top build team here is not an X team. It is Image Comics Gen 13. What do you know okay. about Gen 13? Okay, one, you say they're not an X team. Um, <laughs> That's not. That's accurate. That's also <laughs> not completely inaccurate. They are, they are the, they are Gen 13. Uh, they're mm -hmm. from Jim Lee's Wildstorm universe. And I I know they're like the kids of Team 7, who I think also crosses over with X-Men at some point. Yeah. Yep. And I know nothing about them except for that it's Jim Lee, Brandon Choi, and J. Scott Campbell. Yes, this is J. Scott Campbell's baby. Um, so even though Jim Lee and Brandon Choi had a hand in creating this team, J. Scott Campbell kind of ran away with it. Um, you know, because he was he was the artist on on the book, and you're absolutely right. Um, they're basically mutants. Uh, they're kids of people from a like a black ops team called Team Seven, who then are experimented on by other people who like have powers, and then kind of have their powers awakened within them, and uh, they're pretty much like X Men for the most part. I mean, like I count, once you start. I count Anyone from anyone that's a spinoff of Wildstorm, which is X-Men with the serial numbers filed off. <laughs> I count anyone as still pretty much X-Men. 
it's really difficult. Like, you know, um, the Sarah Rainmaker character, you put her next to Monet and they're essentially the same model and make, you know what I mean? Like they're very difficult to, to tell apart given, you know, even with different artists in these issues. Like, oh yeah. So. Cause um, who, who is this team, Adam? Who is gen 13? It's, it's Sarah Rainmaker. Uh, Sarah, I knew, yep. I knew grunge. Uh-huh. Yep. Grunge is I, uh, the big guy with the, the tattoos. Um, we also have Roxy. Uh, Roxy Spaulding. Burnout, who is basically like a human torch. And Caitlin Fairchild, who, you know, her mutant power was just like she got taller and more muscular. And now is like kind of Hulk strength. So she, she, was a, she was a pretty girl who got prettier? Well, you have to keep in mind that because this is like mainly a J. Scott Campbell book, a lot of these characters are designed to be kind of like pinup girls, which is weird because they're also supposed to be teenagers. So um, take that for what it's worth. But um, listen, that's the the J. Scott Campbell special right there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, I I had recently reread the the original Gen 13 mini and they're constantly kind of like falling over or posing provocatively. And, you know, it's it's J. Scott Campbell's whole thing. You know, it's a lot of you remember you remember when J. Scott Campbell got a cover pulled because he drew a super sexy version of Riri Williams on the cover. I do. And they were like, I do. She's 15. Yes, I do. I do think these characters are super. Supposed to be a little older than that, but it doesn't really change the weirdness. Regardless, we're talking around this story because it confounds me. Uh, <laughs> Sean Cassidy, Banch. Here's the thing about this story: as someone who is not a Gen 13 fan, I guess I would have expected a little bit of introduction to what this team that Gen X is crossing over with. In nope. this, what this book posits. Is that you have a strong working knowledge of everything about Gen 13 and everything about Generation X. Yep. I mean, it does give a brief introduction into who Banshee is. So I'll give them that. But you're immediately... Who who the character from Giant Size X-Men number one is? That's the one they're like, we we really got to make sure everyone knows who Banshee is. Because he's he's an X-Men. And we got to know. Yeah, but we're already within like three pages crossing over with John Lynch and his Black Razor Black Ops team. So like you're the the learning curve here is high if you are not familiar with either of these teams. Um, The central plot uh, circles around a young boy uh, who has teleportation powers, not to be confused with the little green furry sort of Lockheed stand in known as Quelock or something like that. Um, that can also teleport. That's that's a little confusing. Uh, yeah, that's that's Quilock from the Damocles universe. <laughs> that's so, what the Wikipedia is telling me. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and to add uh, the difficulty level to, to go even higher, not only do you have to know both of these teams, you have to know about M-Plate, and you have to know from Generation X, and you have to know about the villains of generation x and they're a whole team so uh, gen 13 know, the freaks 
Yeah, the freaks. So if you don't know the freaks, you're like, wait, whoa, what the heck is going on? At certain points in this comic, there are literally like 21 characters in a panel. God bless Art Adams for handling this. But it's like, it's a lot. Especially when you as a new reader may have no idea who any of these characters are. Yeah, let's let's pause on Art Adams for a second. Because sure. I would absolutely love to see this comic without... Uh, digital colors on it just i'd love to see the lines uh because mm. i think art art adams is doing art adams work here and it's pretty good yeah i think that works well um mm-hmm. it is hard to tell things apart with the very bad coloring and the fact that the fact that generation x is all wearing like their red costumes uh, so you can tell who Chamber is, and then everyone else looks kind of the same in silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that several of the Gen 13 characters have similar costumes. And Art right. Adams is a lot of things, but maybe not the most distinct like figure artist like in a group. Um, it does mean that it's very difficult to follow who's what in some of these panels. Oh, definitely. And and like I said, the cast is huge. Not even are we just getting Gen 13, but John Lynch is hanging out with them. John Lynch's like cyborg like assistant is with them for some reason. So you're like, wait, who is that? Um, and a lot of this just takes place in a warehouse somewhere where these teams are all in the same room, all fighting each other to get a hold of this kid who's in a box, basically, um, for, ver- for various reasons. And... You know, at the very end of the day, they just they they do win, and the kid gets set free, and they're like, basically, hey man, go go live your life, um, and it's it's a happy ending for this young man who has been trapped in a box. That's about it. It's a weird crossover because it doesn't make me want to read Gen Thirteen. It also doesn't make me want to read Generation X. It just no. I mean, the protagonists of the book, you could argue, are the freaks. Because they're the ones that you follow on their adventure to get this kid, you know? Also, M-Plate is there, which is weird. He likes the little green guy. Yeah, he wants to eat not Lockheed so that he gets... I don't know. I don't. No one really knows M Plate's deal. I feel like that's fair to say. Even those of us who do know M Plate's deal don't really know his deal. He just looks cool. Well, uh, and that's it's weird. Kind of like all that his motivation seems to be to want to get the teleportation power so he can escape his like little realm. But he also comes to this world to get the thing that would help him get to yeah, this yeah, world. Yeah, he's like, out of sync. No, that's that's. Adam, that is actually like page oh, one, right, panel one, right. M plate stuff. He's out of yeah, sync with the universe. Thing. All right, all right. I'm yeah. sorry. Because he wants okay. that, and then he finds out that all of Gen 13, they're not X Factor, they're Gen yeah, Factor. He, sh- he tries to eat them. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, he tries to eat them with his weird his weird hand mouths that he's got, like Morbius, <laughs> the living vampire yeah. from the Spider Man cartoon. Um, it's weird. This is a. It's a weird comic. It's not very good. It's not even that uh, interesting. But I feel like if you have nostalgia for Gen 13, you probably would also have nostalgia for Gen X, so you would read it. I, I would agree. Um, I think that there is uh, a certain amount of just, like, 
this is very 90s and you know it's an intercompany crossover thing so how much you can really expect from it is you know like i don't think you're really expecting this to be like this great thing but unfortunately because it's so busy you know i'm a huge art adams fan the reason i tracked this down a couple years ago is because i like owning all of art adams interior stuff and i read this and went wow this is kind of a mess um so even if you're an art adams fan i i don't know that you're gonna love this book um because especially with this is no insult to garner but he's not as good as some other people who ink art adams um you know it's it's not like the highest quality art adams work would you say that so let's i think that's fair and we've got some high quality art adams work on our big old list we sure do Uh, you know you know the list i'm talking about the list, Adam, that has 552 stories on it where we're ranking every X-Men story from best to worst, with the number wow. one story being the House of X, the Powers of Ten, the number 100th story being X-Force Assault on Grey Malkin. Uh, that's the one where Sam gives a really good speech, and then they throw Cruel into the water. Uh, mm. They also assault Grey Malkin on that one. Uh, number 200 is Uncanny X-Men 231, that time Colossus pretended to be a ghost. Uh, number 300 on our list is X-Men Gold 2013. Uh, not that X-Men Gold. This is a one-shot. Uh, number 400 on our list is X-Men 30 Operation Zero Tolerance. Uh, that's the time where X-Men did an Operation Zero Tolerance and saved saved uh, jo- Joey and Galen. Uh, number 500 is Onslaught. And 552 is The Draco. Um, okay, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out here. Let's start it in the right spot. Okay. 443 is Wildcats X Men, and Wildcats X Men is better than this, right? <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, it's it's dreaming bigger for sure. Oh, okay. Now at 450, you you've highlighted Cyber Force and X Men Volume One One. Um, is. <laughs> Which couldn't be the the it's like the polar opposite of this book. Like it c- clearly defines its characters and gets in and out as fast as possible, um, while making fun of itself at the same time. Which I think probably makes it better. At four sixty six, we've got Star Trek X Men. I mm, I think this is better than that. Like this is better than Beauty and the Beast at four sixty, wouldn't you say? Maybe, but like. 458 is Poptopia, and Poptopia isn't good. No. But I think I think Poptopia might be better than this. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but, yeah, I think we're on the same par, though. It's like 459, we have Blood of Apocalypse from uh, X-Men 182 to 187. I feel like the... This is going to sound weird. I feel like the backups in Blood of Apocalypse are interesting oh, enough no. that I would okay. put it above Gen 13, Gen X. Okay. All right. So is this going to be our new 460? This is going to be our new 460. It's Gen 13 Gen X. And on our list, Adam, I'm going to put this one as Art Adams and the other one as not Art Adams because we will forget. Well, we will talk about who the artist is on this next one because that is very interesting. Right? Yeah, we're doing the other (laughs) one next. Yeah, this is... This is Generation X Gen 13. Uh, It's from a year later... Uh, not even 12 months. Uh, it's written by James Robinson, 
with mm-hmm. pencils by Salvador Roca. Uh, can I tell you just how shocked I was when I flipped the page and saw that this artwork was Salvador La Roca? I have never seen artwork from him this early in his career. And it is, I, I don't know if I want to go so far as to like, I don't know how much I want to praise this. But it looks so much better than what I'm used to Salvador LaRocca art looking like that I'm just dumbfounded by what I'm looking at here. Because it is cartoony. It is like kind of these chunky characters. And it really doesn't bear a huge resemblance to what we think of when we look at his artwork now. Yeah. uh, Troy Hubbs and Al Milgram ink him here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that's definitely making some difference but even at the end of the day this is not the photorealistic la roca of today this is not the kind of sketchy colors from liquid right over the pencils uh la roca of like the turn of the century no. this is different yeah and i i like it i i think there's a sense of space there's backgrounds that are you know easily identifiable he draws cars pretty well here um you know like i i have a sense of what's going on and and who the characters are here um it's i don't know i I was just like what happened (laughs) like you can kind of see some of the hallmarks of his line work um and and like how he got from there to today but it's such a weird transformation it's very strange it is uh, and this this story is a bit strange uh, because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sure is. It this this story does take time to ground us with each of these teams of kids for a bit before they cross over. Like mm-hmm. you could hand this. I had a better feeling for who Gen Thirteen was in this because we got a few pages of Gen Thirteen. What happens? What happens? Uh, this is a dumb plot, but it's the kind of dumb plot that I think is exactly perfect for a crossover book like this. Yeah, it's like a Scooby-Doo mystery. It's a hundred percent a Scooby-Doo mystery. Uh, because Gen 13 and Gen X both get invitations to the same tropical resort. So that, Adam, we were joking about Scooby-Doo mystery, but what I'm about to describe is the plot of the... The, the Scooby-Doo motion picture. The live-action <laughs> right? Scooby-Doo motion picture. They it go is. to an island. They go to an <laughs> island, and they find out that not all is as it seems, and there's monsters. Yeah, because... Because uh, they, they were all invited by Mr. Pretorius. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, kudos to you for remembering his name. Yeah, I mean, they think they're going to this, like, super modern uh, new construction hotel for, you know, a student conference. And it turns out it's like Frankenstein's castle. And there's all kinds of monsters. And so, uh, you know, they they have to, like, save the town from the monsters. And They do, uh, they do they, teen shenanigans. Yeah, they, they do. They have a beach episode. Nope. I, I this is kind of fun you know what i mean there's there's like oh the lights went out and we got attacked by a monster ah you know a knight a a, a suit of armor uh cracks a cracks sink across the head um you know grunge is hitting on jubilee like this is just oh grunge it, sucks in this though i do not like grunge i understand that he's just being a dude in a comic from 1998 i do not care for him 
he uh from having read gen 13 is like that all the time and he's sort of like the living embodiment of uh teenage boy horniness so it's it's a little bit weird if he's a teen boy why does he have so many tattoos do I know? It's a design thing. I'm sure that Jim Lee created this character, so it's it's overly complicated, you know? <laughs> That's true. But he could just have an overly complicated... It doesn't matter. Okay, it's fine. It's, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. His name's Grunge. He should wear flannel, but that would be hard to draw. I, I do love how Chamber is chilling on the beach in sort of like a, you know, a white undershirt and a Dan Flash's uh, button down. It's great. Like... <laughs> You know, <laughs> you don't like my joke. This is, Come on. I have I have complicated feelings about the I think you should leave <laughs> sketches about Dan Flash's the, the <laughs> store that has expensive shirts for men. Uh, and they're so expensive because the patterns are so complex. <laughs> it's really I'm funny. wearing right now. I am wearing a shirt that has boombox, a button down that has boomboxes, headphones, Walkmans and tapes. Yeah. All over it. I, that's moderately so, expensive. It's not like this super is this expensive. is not the most complex. This pattern no. is this is this is not a super complex pattern. It's mid tier. You could maybe buy that with one day's food allowance. Yeah, one one day's per diem. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is I, this is fairly this is fairly slight because the first chunk of the book is introducing you to both teams, which is mm-hmm. necessary work. And the second chunk is now they have to split up with each other and fight Frankenstein monsters. I I enjoyed this. I think it's a, a much better crossover. Um, it's far less complicated. You do get an okay sense of who the characters are and what the what the teams are. Um, there's still a little bit of that character confusion, just like because some of the models are similar. Roxy looks very similar to Jubilee. I mentioned the yep. uh, Rain, Rainmaker and, and Monet look very similar. So, you know, there's that. But I think this is a fun little, you know, crossover thing. It's it's silly, oh, and I enjoyed it. This is this is definitely, like, if you only read one of these, read this one. Because this one's more fun. Yeah, of those two, you gotta you got to check this one out. Um, so I think this is definitely better than uh, the last one, which we ranked at 460. Um, I guess you could argue that it makes a little more sense than Wildcats X-Men, but I don't, I still don't know if it's as good as that. Like that one has that. There's nothing bad about this. Right. But it is, it is like, it's a nothing story. Yeah. Here, here's what I think. Uh, at 448, we have Wolverine Volume 2, 102 to 103. Now, we agreed that 102 is great. 103 was not so great. Those are the Electra training apps, uh, issues. Um, right. Below that is Reign of Terror. Now, below that is Cyber Force X-Men. I think this is better than Cyber Force X-Men. I think it's yep. a little less slight than Reign of Terror, but I don't think it's as good as the first issue of uh, that that two-issue Wolverine uh, thing so that's where that's i would interesting I, where do you think i would goes? i would probably look a little bit higher than that uh i think this is probably i think this is probably better than days of future present and excalibur 31 which are right above that and 
probably on par with Day of the Atom, which is that Chuck Austin story that retcons Zorn into being a beer fest situation. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. All right. Uh, it's probably not better than an age undreamed of, a story that I dislike. Yeah, but it, I don't know. I think Age of Dream, Age of Undreamed of is is tr- really swinging hard, and this is just like let's do a silly Scooby Doo series uh, issue. So I let's agree. Put this at four forty five. It's a great place for yeah, it. right between, right between an Age Undreamed of and Day of the Atom. Uh, that's Generation X Gen thirteen by Not Art Adams. Nice. Um, now this last one is not a Gen thirteen comic in any way, shape, or form. But it is also a uh, company crossover. So what is this last It book? is. Uh, it is a... It's less of a crossover and more of like a... How would you say it? Like an amalgamation of two different properties <laughs> based largely on puns. That's weird. That's called Amalgam on the, on the cover. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's Generation Hex, which was the Amalgam... Amalgam, for those who don't know, uh, there was Marvel versus DC and DC versus Marvel. And after the second one of those, uh, all of the universes smashed together and created the Amalgam universe, where the DC and Marvel characters were combined into Gestalt uh, characters. Uh, anyway, this is this is Generation Hex. Yeah, we've covered a couple of those. Uh, notably, I think uh, X Patrol. Dark Claw, Legend of Dark Claw. Did we do a third one? Was it Magneto and the X Patrol? No, was it Magneto and the Metal Men? Maybe. Or I was don't know. it Two for an X Patrol? Was it JLX? No, I don't think we did that. No, one. we didn't do JLX. There's some. The what we're saying is we pro. <laughs> I know we've done an amalgam episode, uh, but I forget, and so does Adam. So we'll see what happens. Up. Uh, but Generation Hex is Generation X mixed with Jonah Hex from the Detective Comics Comics Corporation. Uh, Adam, are you a big uh, Hex head? As listeners know, I don't read a lot of DC Comics, if ever. Um, so my knowledge of Jonah Hex extends to the fact that it's a Western and he has like kind of a scarred face that covers up so you- some of his mouth. So you didn't camp out to get tickets uh, for the midnight showing of the Josh Brolin Jonah Hex movie. <laughs> I was going to mention that, but no. <laughs> I did Such not. a weird thing. Y'all know they that? made a Jonah Hex? No, what? You think I was going to watch the 2010 Jonah Hex movie starring Josh Brolin with his love interest as Megan Fox? Man, That's ooh, funny. I'm just... I'm just I just immediately thought of that age difference. That's um that's a lot. Yeah, that's that's weird. Um, Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Michael Shannon was in this. So weird. John cast. Malkovich. <laughs> Maybe we do have to watch this movie, Zach. <laughs> I don't know if we need to watch watch this movie. Yeah, Megan Fox was born in 1986, and Josh Brolin was born in 1968. They shouldn't be love interests in the movie, I don't think. No, they um, should not. And it's so good that she found her true love, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, so, <laughs> back to Generation Hex. Oh my uh, gosh! Think... Oh my, what? hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Uh, oh, do you no. know what the box office for Jonah Hex, this 81 minute movie that Warner Brothers put out through Detective 81 Comics? 81 minutes? It didn't even hit 90 minutes? All right, give me, give me some numbers here. This has got to be bad if you freaked out like that. The movie had a estimated budget of $47 million. Oh, I was going to oh. guess higher. All right, so what's the box office? The box office was $10 million. $547, Oh my god, that's terrible. Wow, it's a real bomb. It grossed it grossed less than a half million dollars outside of the US. Oh wow. It averaged less than $2,000 per theater on its <laughs> opening weekend. Jesus Christ. Wow, that's not great. That's not great. Um, can it I has make a, a recommend- 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to make a recommendation that makes Jonah Hex uh, maybe more interesting to our listeners, uh, unless they're Jonah Hex fans. I don't want to diss it because I don't know it so well. But let me tell you, it is kind of inspired to take the dude from the DC Western with the, uh, the, the you know, sort of messed up face and uh, combine him with Chamber, who has like explosion face. Like, oh, that's... <laughs> That is smart. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know any other Jonah Hex characters, so don't expect us to know any of the other amalgamations. But Chamber as Jonah Hex rules. As Jono Hex, that is incredible. Like, bravo, Peter Milligan and Adam Polina. Um, yeah, Peter Milligan and Adam Polina do this one. <laughs> uh, as a, let's call this a pitch document. Right? Like, if someone wanted to do a show called Generation Hex and it starred this cast, I would watch this show. This issue is just kind of okay, but the idea of this cast, um, which includes the Aurora and North Star Trigger twins, uh, Madame Banshee, who's basically, uh, what, White Queen? Mixed, yeah, mixed. she's Emma Frost Banshee, and then I assume some generation Another, or some right. Jonah Hex character. Maybe Megan jo- Fox from the Jonah Hex movie. Maybe uh, Johnny Random, um, who is Random plus a, a Jonah Hex character. I assume a cowboy. Um, the the beauty of all Jonah Hex characters is they're cowboys. They cowboys. Retribution, who is a uh, basically like a penance slash Monet slash somebody. Um, skin Hunter is skin um, combined with a Jonah. Bad name. And then, all right, maybe I'm getting this confused because who is White Whip? White Whip looks like Emma. So maybe Madame okay, Banshee. They look very similar. Hold on. I just realized that the Amalgam Wiki will tell me who all of these are mixed with. So we'll have to... I'm, I'm sure our good editor will be able to figure out a way to make this work. So, <laughs> for the Jonah Hex fans who are screaming at us, Retribution is a combination of Penance and the character Firehair uh, oh, from okay. the Old West, who is uh, a Blackfoot uh, native. Uh, okay. Doesn't really come through in this, but that's fine. White Whip is... It does not say who White Whip is combined with. It looks like Emma Frost and a cowboy. Okay. That's fine. So Madame who is Banshee, Banshee 
uh, Banshee and Madame uh, 44 Caliber. Oh my god, that's a great name. <laughs> yeah. I just thought because Madame Banshee was wearing white that it was there were just two Emmas, I guess. No, 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 no. She is wearing green. I just looked, but she um, is is blonde. So, and and I don't know. There's a lot of like confusion because there's a. It's not. It's only twenty pages, and like there's a lot of characters packed into this thing. So, um, yeah. So I'm sorry, please continue. Aurora. Aurora Trigger is a combination mm-hmm. of Aurora, a character named Cinnamon, Ooh. and Wayne Trigger. Uh, they are he—he's one half of the Trigger twins. Oh, that um, makes so a lot of Walt sense. Trigger, Walt Trigger, and North Star combine to be Trigger from the Amalgam universe. Nice. There's El Papamondo. Uh, who is mentioned only in the letters page, which rules. I assume it's Mondo and some other Jonah Hex <laughs> character. Johnny Random uh, doesn't say who he's mixed with. I'm assuming Johnny something from Amalgam. Uh, Skin Hunter is, uh, again, I don't actually know. It doesn't say. This is a bad Wikipedia uh, <laughs> Amalgam Universe portion of the DC fandom wiki. Um, All right, it does you know- say right here... That you should expand these sections. So someone who knows anything about Jonah Hex, please fill this in. <laughs> someone is Adam, listening hap- to this, like, boiling right now. They're like, what? Ah, like, screaming there's some, the characters. There's some names. Jonah heads. Hex heads? Jonah heads? <laughs> I don't know. Who are who are real, just, they're kicking their spurs together. They're real fired up. They're going to, you know, wrangle up those doggies. <laughs> um, and come after us, but really, it's fine. And this yeah. this story, like you said, it's an interesting, like, this is a good pitch document, and this is very much like a, this is an episode of it. Because yes. what you find out is Jonah Hex runs some out, runs a band of outlaws, uh, the Malforms, and they're mutants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jonah Hex uh, isn't well-liked because uh, there's there are some people in this, this town... Uh, that wouldn't take humanity. care of his mom. Yeah, town called Humanity. <laughs> that wouldn't take care of his ma and pa when they were when his ma was sick. Uh, and they uh they told him just go see the horse doctor, and even the horse doctor wouldn't go go see her because they didn't have any money. And she died, and she was pregnant, so his little sister uh died too. And Jono Jono Hex took this very personally. So when he formed a band of outlaws years later and found out that there were old West Sentinels chasing him, he goes, he went back to the town of humanity and tricked them into thinking, well, Jono Hex and his outlaws won't get you if you dress up like malforms. Uh, And then they dress up like malforms and he's like, okay, I'm going to leave now. Bye. And then the (laughs) Sentinel comes and destroys the town while Jono Hex looks out from a cliff and says, yeah, you deserved all of that. It it's a is, good revenge story. It's a great revenge story. And uh, the other thing I really like about this is that Milligan must be a Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid fan. Because the middle chunk of this is pulled directly from Butch Cassidy um, when they go to rob the, the, the train. And instead of... Oh yeah, there's a train robbery, of course. Instead of uh, the, the, the money... Inside in Butch Cassidy are the people that begin to to hunt 
the two of them on horseback. And you even get the call back to like, we must have lost them, right? And they turn around and like, nope, the Sentinels are still coming. It's such a great little moment of like film reference that I absolutely loved it. So uh, this one, I I enjoyed it. It's like you said, it's a very, um, you know, simple episode of, you know, this this world. But I would love to hear more stories and, and learn more about the characters. It just seems like a fun place. I think, honestly, and this will make me sound like Alan Moore here. Uh, no, wait. No, it won't. That's fine. Alan Moore was into pirate comics. I feel like there should be more cowboy comics. Like, here's the thing. Uh, there's There were two good cowboy comics in the last couple of years. Uh, Undone by Blood or The Shadow of a Wanted Man. And Undone by Blood or... I forget what the, I forget what the subtitle of the sequel was. Hold on. Undone by... Blood. Uh, undone by Plasma? I got it. And Undone by Blood or The Other Side of Eden, which are really good uh, cowboy books by uh, Zach Thompson and Lonnie... Friends of the show, Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, uh, with Sam McKay doing some incredible art on it. Uh, there's also Witch Blood out of uh, Vault, which is interesting. It's not exactly my cup of tea. It's got some incredible art. But it's kind of like a modern uh, urban fantasy western, if that makes mm. sense. Okay, okay. In- incredible, I, incredible art on that one. I do think it's kind of a missed opportunity for the current Krakoa era. Like, you've got the different genre books, right? You've got your CIA book, you've got your pirate book, but g- give me a western. You know what I mean? Like, hey. Hey Adam, hold on. I want I want to know more about how you're going to do the the Cowboys of Krakoa and if Forearm is going to be on the team cuz I feel like I don't know why, but I feel like Forearm would be a good cowboy. He has, he could have four lassos at the same time. I love it. I love it. Um but I I just I don't know. There's something about this setup that I just think is is fun and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um I wish it's there was more of it. Super entertaining. Yeah. Like it's not the best thing in the world no but i think it might be the best amalgam book we've talked about oh it's so much better than the other amalgam stories that we talked about like when i realized we were reading an amalgam book for this episode i was like oh man and then i was like oh wait milligan wrote this and it's it's chamber but it's a western okay and then i read it and i was like this is a lot of fun so uh i think this is better than the other two things we ranked today uh yeah, I think so too. Um, so I want to see I, where's X Patrol on our list, and it turns out in that episode it wasn't all amalgam. Uh, we also did X Men New Teen Titans in that episode. Oh, uh, that's why. Okay. Oh, okay. Dan and Jake. Dan and Jake were on that one. Uh, mm. And if you if you haven't, go check out uh, what they're doing over at Gate Crashers. It's really cool. Great, um, great website. But, but we do need to figure out uh, what else. X Patrol is we all the way. X Patrol is all the way down at four ninety four. This is way better than that. Yeah, and Dark Claw's worse. Dark Claw's at five forty one. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's this is le- better than the Legend of the Dark Claw. Yeah, the Legend of Dark Claw. <laughs> well, there is, there is, and we haven't covered it, but Dark Claw Adventures, which yeah. is the incredible idea of. Okay, but then what if uh, we had to do the Batman Adventures version of this? So the adaptation of the children's show version of Dark Claw. Yeah. And it's that in the rules. Bruce Tim style, right? Yeah. 
That's yes, that's 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 like a next level concept. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about it compared to last week's what if titles? Uh, we have those in the four hundreds there. I mean, I'm looking at it. Probably better. I yeah. think it's better than all three of those what ifs. This one's pretty fun. Like this is better than Daydreamers. It's better than uh, at three seventy eight X Men No More Humans. Hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, working my way up. How about uh, compared to Generation X sixty to sixty one Christmas Fear? I think this is better than that one. That's not the good Generation X Christmas one. Yeah. I don't think this is as good as Death of X at 361. Then I kind of want to slide it right under it because I think it's better than those New Mutants. No, it's okay. It's probably not better than New Mutants 47 through 50. It is better than that time that the X-Men went to San Francisco and thought that they were uh, hippies (laughs) at 363. I would agree. So this is going to be our new 363? This will be our new 363 Generation Hex. Go track this one down. Uh, It's It's fun. kind of great. Yeah, I want to get the uh, the floppy of that one, because now that I have these other two issues, I feel like I need to complete the set. Well, complete the set you may, um, because we are about to jump into no more stories, because we only do three, and I screwed up. Hold on. I'm <laughs> <laughs> ready to do the fourth story. <laughs> We've done this 216 times! <laughs> Next up, Generation okay. Uh, something. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's all the stories we have today because we only do three. Um, so I want to thank Matt Smith again for supporting us on Patreon. If you want to be like Matt, go to patreon.com slash comicsxf. It pays for all the stuff that we do for the podcast, for comicsxf.com. Gets our writers paid. Gets our editors paid. It's a really cool thing i'm very happy that we're able to do it uh i don't remember what we have writing on the website this week it's probably all good go check it out adam what do you got going this week folks you can always follow me on twitter at arthur stacy i am doing commissions now if anybody would like one even if you just want a quick uh digital sketch um just come visit me on twitter and we'll figure that out uh and I guess I'm getting ready now in a couple of weeks for New York Comic Con. Uh, I don't know if anyone's actually going to be there, but uh, I will. So if, if you were planning on going, maybe we'll see each other behind masks. Maybe behind <laughs> behind masks, fully vaccinated. Next week, uh, we have X-Men Unlimited artist Declan Shalvey coming back to the show uh, to be talking about his process on doing the art for that and like some other stuff he's got going on so that's going to be really fun i'm very excited about it but until then this has been battle of the atom and we hope you survive the experience Get it! Get it. Bop bop bada bada bop bada bada bop bada 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 b
Bye. 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 Bye.